the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar, book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It's sale day down on the farm. It's Bayo day up at the major leagues. We are ready for pitching, pitching, pitching today in the Red Sox organization. Welcome in, everybody, to the Brady Farkas Show. We go up until 6-10, and then, yes, it is Brian Bayo Day making his Major League debut. Sox go for a series win today as well. Bayo, the most heralded Red Sox pitching prospect to make a debut since I've been in New England, so I'm pumped to see him today. Again, 6-10 pregame show, 7-10 first pitch. Tom Cairn of Nesson is going to be with us at 545. I spoke to Freddie Coleman earlier today. We're working on getting that interview already available on our podcast channel and then uh, hopefully have some reaction to it tomorrow. Freddie was great, as always. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026. You are locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, my Twitter account. You can Find us anywhere all the time. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swan Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swan Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. You know, I want to get to Bay. I want to get to the Red Sox, but you can tell that I'm getting older by how hard I am now rooting for older athletes. Just as like uh, we talk about self-awareness yesterday, I'm having these epiphanies now. I must be getting older because I find myself rooting for older athletes harder than I ever have before. I was watching Rafael Nadal earlier today, right? We have tennis on in the background of the studio here. We kind of keep ESPN on and some news channels on all around the studio. So we had Rafael Nadal on earlier, and I was just fixated on it. I was fixated. And, like, I root for Americans to win things where flags are involved. So, like, I wasn't – like, I was rooting for Nadal over Taylor Fritz. Like, that's how into Nadal that I have become here. As Nadal gets older, even as Djokovic gets older, as Federer got older, I I find myself rooting for these guys all the time. Like, the Nadal match was incredible. You had Fritz trying to get to his first ever major semifinal. You had Nadal winning in five sets despite playing with some kind of ab injury. He couldn't even serve. Like, Fritz was serving 130 miles an hour. Nadal was serving 85 because his abs were so bad. And somehow he found a way to craft it out, to gut it out, and to win. It was truly amazing tennis. But I know I'm getting older. By, by how hard I now root for older players to do well. Because like when I was younger, I hated dynasties. I hated repeat champions. I wanted variety. I wanted newness. I wanted fresh blood. I hated Roger Federer for a long time. I couldn't stand Derek Jeter. I couldn't stand Tom Brady. I couldn't. St- I was tired of Tiger Woods. Like This was all before I got into the media. When I was just truly a fan, I couldn't stand the guys. 
that always won. I was jealous of all of them, right? They always won. I wanted new people in there. But now as I get old, I want to see these legends. I want to see these champions continue. I think younger people are guilty of always wanting chaos, of always wanting change, of always wanting something new. But as I get older, I like the consistency. I like the stability. I want to see these older guys hang on one last time. It's very fun to see a young gun burst on the scene. It's also fun to see an old guy hang on. Sports is just great theater. And that's what matches like today provide for us. As painful as it was to my Patriots loving heart to see Tom Brady not winning in, in New England, I was rooting for him to win when he, when he was with Tampa. I was rooting for him to prove Father Time wrong. I was glad to see Derek Jeter get 3,000 hits. I was glad to see Kobe go for 60 in his final game. And I was thrilled to see Djokovic win yesterday, and I'm thrilled to see Nadal win today. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. Maybe you just like who you like and hate who you hate. But as I've gotten older, it has transitioned for me in that I want to see these legends just do it one more time. We talked last week, right, about Serena Williams. Serena Williams beaten the first round by Harmony Tan, and she looked terrible. She looked old. She looked slow. She looked out of shape. And while I applaud her playing, that was sad. I don't want to see legends and champions look like that. I want to see legends and champions look like this today where they can fight back father time and just do it one more time. I thought it was very, very cool. I know that a lot of you, by and large, don't care about tennis. I almost never talk about tennis. I've not led the show with it twice in a week. But I think that Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Serena, I think they transcend just tennis. I think what they all have accomplished over the last 20 years has been so incredible, and it is deserving to be talked about. And it is deserving and warranted to to lead the show for a few minutes here. I just, I, I loved what I saw today. And I'm rooting hard for Djokovic, and I'm rooting hard for Nadal because I want to see them one more time. Nadal is my guy, but we may never see Nadal Djokovic again. So even if Djokovic wins, I'll live with that because it's one of those two. I just want to see these legends be at the top of their game for as long as possible because once it's gone, it's gone. Right? Like once it's over, it's over. And as I get older, I want to see the older guys just not have it be over just for as long as possible. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEV Radio. Okay, from the older guys to the young guy, to the story of the day, I am also pumped to see Brian Bayo pitch today for your Boston Red Sox. This is what I've been waiting for. Not just Bayo specifically, but I have been waiting for the Red Sox to be an organization that has internal answers and can provide true excitement. I have championed the Red Sox building a farm system for years. And now I've always been a believer in building the farm system. And now, like, this is why. What we're seeing in 2022, this is why you build a farm system. One, so you can have internal answers to your own problems and not be dependent on your wallet or on trades. And two, because having a great farm system 
always gives you a reason for your fan base to be excited. Look at the Red Sox right now. They It doesn't feel like they're going through a tough time, but they're going through a tough time. Rich Hill, hurt. Michael Waka, hurt. Chris Sale, hurt. Nathan Navaldi hurt. Garrett Whitlock, hurt. And guess what? The season, it hasn't ended. That that's five, That is five starters right there that are hurt for you. And your season hasn't ended. Not many teams can overcome that. The Red Sox have, thanks to their prospect depth. Siebold, Winkowski, Cutter Crawford, now Bayo. This is what the best organizations do. You don't just flex financial muscles and try to buy your way out of problems. The best organizations have a farm system where you can bring up answers from within. And the Red Sox are now an organization that is finally starting to recognize that and have that. The Dodgers, this is what they do. I know they can spend money. I know they can spend money. But they've also drafted and developed and promoted from within. And they are among the best teams in baseball year in and year out. The Astros, this is what they do. They draft, they develop. I know that they can you know, occasionally spend some money. But Christian Javier, Jose Arquiti, Lance McCullers, Jose Altuve, uh, Jeremy Pena, they they let Carlos Correa go, and Jeremy Pena might win Rookie of the Year at shortstop in the American League. That is what the best organizations do. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, the Astros are almost entirely homegrown. This is what the best organizations do. This is what the Red Sox have tried to become since Bloom got here. They're not fully there yet. They're not at that level yet, but they are getting closer. And Brian Bayo is another step in proving that. I mean, again, Seabold, Winkowski, Bayo, Crawford, Jaron Duran. This is what Hyam Bloom has been working for. He didn't draft all these players, but his system has developed them. His system has kept them. His system has valued them. His system has cultivated them. And now it is starting to pay dividends, and it will only pay more. It will only pay more. I, I am in favor of the Red Sox paying Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts. But the day will come under High and Bloom where you can afford to not overpay for somebody because you have an internal answer. The Red Sox are not there yet, but their farm system and Bloom's diligence and discipline to it, it's starting to bear fruit now. And Bayo is another is another step in that direction today. I cannot wait to see what Bayo does today. I don't know if he's here for a start, two starts, one month, the rest of the year. I have no idea. But I know I'm excited to see what he can provide. And finally, again, having prospects like Bayo, it's great for the fan base. I have said this forever. Homegrown players, they just mean more. They do. Why is Aaron Judge like so much more than Giancarlo Stanton? Because he's homegrown. 
Why was Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, why was that core four, Mariano Rivera, the Fab Five, why did they all mean more to Yankees Nation than Roger Clemens? Hmm, they're all homegrown. That is why. Homegrown players matter. Why does Devers or Bogarts leaving hurt more than J.D. Martinez leaving? Sure, being younger helps, but they're homegrown. Why did Mookie Betts hurt so bad? Because he was homegrown. Homegrown players just hit differently to fan bases. And when you have a guy like Bayo, this could be another jolt in the arm in that same vein. I've been living in New England now for six years. I've done a version of this show for six years. I've never seen a Red Sox pitcher have more hype in their debut than this one. And I I, I don't want to put these expectations on the kid, but Brian Bayo could be your Clayton Kershaw, could be your Felix Hernandez, could be your franchise icon that you have for a decade. That is what he could be. That is in the range of outcomes. And because Haim Bloom has stayed true to the farm system and stayed true to his building plan, we're getting a chance to see more and more guys come to the big leagues that are homegrown players, that are developed players. And now in Bayo's case, he's the most heralded pitching prospect that we've had in six years that I've been here. And again, it's within the range of outcomes. He could be, he could be that guy for you. So I'm, I'm pumped. I don't know that it's going to turn into him being your Felix Hernandez. But we're going to get a chance to see what the kid has tonight about an hour and a half from now. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Uh, message on the text line says, yes, the Bayo bandwagon begins tonight. I know, tamp down the enthusiasm. But other than Hunter Green, I haven't been this psyched for a pitcher's MLB debut since Garrett Cole. Hunter Green's a good one, right? Like, that's what the Reds have. Hunter Green's a young pitcher for the Reds. Now, again, I don't know the Bayo is going to be as good as Hunter Green, but I know that you got to give yourself a chance to have a homegrown star, and Ian Bloom is now giving the Red Sox a chance to have that kind of impact player. A guy who knows everything about the Red Sox, let's get him on the phone line here. Tom Karen will be with us momentarily. Looking for the latest information on the Red Sox? Not only is David Ortiz a Hall of Famer, but he is one of the best of the best. How about the Bruins? Are they a Stanley Cup champion? Probably not as presently constructed, but they're a playoff team. And you've come to the right place. We talk now with Nesson Insider Tom Karen. Baseball isn't boring because there's still nothing like the communal gathering of fans in a baseball game. On the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, Tom Karen of Nesson is on the phone line with us now. Our coverage begins for Bayo's debut at 610. First pitch is 710. TC over at Nesson, appreciate you being with us as always, making time for us. How are you today? Doing well, Brady. How you doing? Good, excited for the Bayo debut. We'll get to that momentarily, but let's just kind of take a more holistic approach first. 81 games into the season, halfway point nominally. Red Sox currently in the driver's seat in the American League wild card. How do you feel about this team right now at the midway point? Well, I think when you look at uh, where they are standing, they're essentially where I predicted they would be standing, right? I mean, before the season, I said they were going to finish second uh, in the American League East and be a wild card team. That's where they are. I thought the Yankees were the best team in the division they have been. Didn't expect the Yankees to be this good. Didn't expect it to be 13 games, 12 games, wherever we're at, 13, I guess. 
And, and, you know, so when you look at it that way, there's no big surprises. When you break down what happened over the course of those 81 games, the 10 and 19 start, uh, last place in the division, and what, seventh in the wild card at that point. To go from there to here as quickly as they did, uh, I think you have to feel good about the first half. So all things considered, uh, a good first half, uh, a lot of challenges coming up in the second half, uh, beginning with the guy pitching in Worcester tonight while Bayo is pitching at Fenway. You got Chris Sale, uh, Ivaldi, uh, Rich Hill, you know, four of your five starters on the injured list right now. So uh, they've done what they needed to do in the first half. They beat up a lot of bad teams. Now they got to face a lot of good teams. We'll see how that goes. You know, two and a half weeks ago, it looked like Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays were all going to get into the playoffs, and they were maybe just going to kind of jockey for position. But now, two and a half weeks later to today, Seattle's in the mix again. Cleveland's in the mix again. The White Sox are hovering in the mix again. So, you know, you are starting to see more teams kind of there. I would not say are the Red Sox worried about what everyone else is doing, but are you at least now uh, taking stock that the American League appears a little deeper than it did a month ago? Yeah, I, I, I think they should be concerned about that. There's no doubt. Uh, I, I, you know, and I don't discount the Angels, you know, yeah. list those uh, teams, even though they're they're behind Baltimore in the standings. Uh, you know, they've still got the Trout and Otani and, uh, there's there's too much talent there for them not to put together a run. I think the worry is if you're the Red Sox, you have so many games against the teams in your division uh, that a that means I and I don't know if it's changed in two days, but prior to the Fourth of July game, I looked it up, and by a uh, a large margin, the Red Sox had the toughest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball by win percentage, hmm. and it wasn't even close. Uh, and they had played the weakest schedule in Major League Baseball by a considerable margin. So that's the concern. The other concern is, to your point, as far as uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto all making the playoffs, they got to play each other a lot. And while they're beating up on each other, you know, a Cleveland, a Seattle, a, a White Sox, who everybody's picked before the season, could easily slide in there. So, yeah, I expect it to be a much deeper race in the wild card, which is why they added the team, why the wild card race should be fun. You know, I don't put stock in it here in early July as to say a game is a must-win game. I'm not going there with this game tonight, but it would be great to assure yourself of still being ahead of the Rays in the standings. It would be great to finally win a series against an American League East team. So I do think there comes an added pressure to tonight's game. Do you agree? I do. I mean, they have yet to win a series against an American League East team. That's mind-boggling. This is their eighth series. If they lose tonight, they're 0 for 8. Uh, you, you can't – it's going to be really hard to make the playoffs if you keep losing these games to American League East teams. And, by the way, you are also losing your tiebreaker to all these teams, which, uh, as you mentioned earlier, with Cleveland, Seattle, and the White Sox all getting into the mix, you might need that tiebreaker just to make the postseason. So it is a big game. It also – you know, if you lose tonight, then you've lost two in a row, kind of limping into the Yankees series. Hard to believe Yankees haven't been to Fenway Park yet this season. Your pitching isn't really set up for the series. It's Winkowski on Thursday, maybe walk up Friday. We don't know Saturday. That's not really how you want your pitching lined up against that uh, big offense. So, yeah, tonight's a big game. Tom, Karen, Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Let's get to tonight. You have seen a lot of major league debuts, and from where I'm sitting, this goes one of two ways. Mayo comes out and throws 
six scoreless innings, allowing two hits against a bunch of guys who've never seen him before, or he goes two and a third with four walks and is out of there after 48 pitches. Which way do you think it goes tonight? Uh, you know, it's it's not a great Rays lineup. I know they scored eight runs last night, okay? But this is a team you can pitch to, uh, and Bayo has electric stuff. I, I haven't heard this much hype from the scouting side. From the guys who know, I haven't heard this much hype uh, over a Red Sox starter in a long time. I mean, maybe back to Buckles and Lester and Papelbon when they all came up together, and you're pushing 20 years on that, 15 years ago. Uh, so I, this is a guy with the highest uh, whiff rate in AAA, He's got the second highest ground ball rate in all of minor league baseball. Uh, plus stuff, fastball, off two off-speed pitches that, that are major league ready. I was talking to Josh Winkowski yesterday uh, for a little while, who was with him in Worcester, and he lit up when you asked him about Bayer. Just He was talking DeGrom-type philosophy. Mm. And, and he might not hit that as high or as often, but the point is there's a little extra something on that fastball. And, and if he can throw it for strikes, that is the question. He, he, is, he can overthrow it. The concern with him, will there be too much adrenaline for him coming into a major league debut that he overthrows his fastball? When he's done that in the minors, he has lost command of it, doesn't throw it for strikes. That leads to trouble. So he's got to stay within himself. Uh, I think Alex Gore is really good at preparing these guys to do that. But listen, Winkowski struggled in his first start and was better after that. Seabold got hammered in his first start, was a little better after that. Most of these guys, Cutter Crawford, second time around, they were a lot better. So it speaks to the fact that sometimes that first game, if not overwhelming, can certainly be more challenging, and he'll have to fight that tonight. I think he's thrown 84 innings already this year. I think his high for any season in the minors is 117. So what do you think, like, for a season workload, is like an appropriate add-on to that 117. I'm not saying he's only going to be here for one start, but this idea that he's going to make 18 starts with the Red Sox, I'm not buying that either. No, it, it used to be 15 to 20 innings over your previous year or high. Uh, they've kind of gotten away from that now. There's a lot more in-depth analysis. It used to be as simple as innings total. Now they really look at high-stress innings, high-leverage innings, uh, when, when you really work in the arm. Uh, but, I mean, <clears throat> if you got – 140 to 150 out of him this year. I think you'd be thrilled. Uh, and, and, you know, listen, all of these guys right now, uh, leading with Bayo and, and talking about Winkowski and talking about Cutter Crawford, any of these guys, they could very well wind up in the bullpen for the rest of the year when you get the likes of Sale and Evaldi and Hill. When those guys all come back, there's not going to be room in the starting rotation for everybody. Now, Bayo, they might prefer to keep him in Worcester, to keep him on a starter's role and not mess around with him. But if this team's looking for relief help, and we know they need relief help, guy throws 100 miles an hour with a couple of good off-speed pitches would fit pretty well into that, and that's a good way to limit his innings total. So they're doing it with Whitlock. I think they could do it with others. We'll see if Bayo's part of that. You know, it's a very interesting confluence of circumstances all at one time here. Chris Sale, we hear that he might be back for his next start. So that would add him to the roster. Someone would have to go to the bullpen. Robles is DFA'd. You know, at least we're you know set to hear that as of now. So someone's got to go to the pen. Is it just as simple as whoever Sale bumps out of the rotation, they go to the pen? Whitlock's got to get here too. There are other things to be done roster-wise. There are, and there's there's no doubt that they, you know, some of these dominoes are going to lead to a better bullpen. You mentioned Bayo. Uh, I'm sorry, you mentioned Robles. Uh, it begins there. There are others who have obviously uh, been up and down. They need right-handed relief help. 
everybody needs relief help going into the trade deadline. I love the move of putting Whitlock back there, and, and I was wrong. I thought he should be a starter right now, and I think he will be next year. But right now, to get him back sooner rather than later and to help address the needs of the team, uh, Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen is a great move. Uh, I think Winkowski stuff will play even better in the bullpen because he's had a tick up of velocity. Seabold a couple of times in the minors through one inning by design, and, and his below went up to 96. He hasn't touched that otherwise. So, so all of these guys uh, could end up helping you out. So, yeah, I think it's as easy as Sale comes back, take a starter, move him to the pen. If Aldi comes back, take a starter, move him to the pen. And, and whoever's struggling in the pen gets bumped out of that mix. And, and if you do that, I think as you get towards the end of this month, you're going to have a considerably better rotation and a better bullpen. Get you out of here on a Bruins question since we last spoke. Bees hired Jim Montgomery. I know you're not in full hockey mode yet, but former college coach, won a national championship in Denver, won, uh, you know, got the uh, stars to the playoffs in a limited couple of years there, and then with the Blues the last couple of years as an assistant. He's got NHL experience. Is this the uh, warm and cuddly coach with experience you wanted, or did this uh, surprise hire? Did this hire surprise you? Uh, it surprised me a little bit uh, just because, um, you know, I, I David Quinn was, was in the mix and we talked about him and he was the, the, the college type guy. But I'll tell you what, Montgomery, when he was in St. Louis, those were not the most uh, talented teams. Uh, St. Louis, uh, Dallas? Where was he? Dallas. He was the head coach at Dallas, assistant Dallas, for St. Louis. Yeah, but when he was the head coach at Dallas, not when he was the right, assistant at St. Louis, fine. But when he was the head coach at Dallas, people I know who know things about hockey more than I do, say that wasn't a great team and he he coached that team up made that team better uh went through personal issues we know about that um you know it was was very public about being let go by the team uh entering uh substance abuse alcoholism uh, treatment uh and has come out on the other side of that you have to respect that and uh, the fact that they are giving him uh, a chance to uh, be a head coach once again speaks to what he did in dallas and and what they believe he can do again so not a huge surprise uh, played at University of Maine, won a national championship, and here's your local tie. I, I assume you know this. If you don't, you should. That he, Jim Montgomery, when playing for the Flyers, is the one who coined the phrase Legion of Doom for the, uh, for the uh, uh, LeClaire line uh, hmm. when, uh, when, when they were all together in uh, Philadelphia, which when you go way back to the late 90s, the Legion of Doom was one of the great nicknames <laughs> of the line. And, uh, and, and, of course, uh, uh, St. Albans' own uh, John LaFleur right. was a big part of that. So there's your Vermont connection for Tim <laughs> Montgomery, the UMaine Black Bear, who is now the head coach. But, but I, you know, I, I don't know anybody who has a bad thing to say about Jim Montgomery as a coach. Uh, was, was a really good college coach, so can obviously handle the young guys, did that at the University of Denver, uh, and, and, and showed that he can uh, coach a team deep uh, when he was with Dallas. So I, I think it's a good hire, and, and you know, Sometimes uh, going outside the uh, the camp a little bit uh, is what you need to mix it up. No surprise that, right, a- a- immediately you start hearing guys uh, talking about coming back. You got trade requests being rescinded, right? So uh, I-, I think it's gone over well with the players. Does that mean they're going to win the cup? Who knows, but it's a step in the right direction. TC, enjoy the Bayo debut. We'll talk with you again in seven days. Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, a good night for Nesson. we got Bayo on Nesson and Sale on Nesson Plus. So uh, we got pitching galore tonight. <laughs> well, looking forward to watching it all. TC, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brady. Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait for Bayo. 
I mean, we are 13 minutes away from our pregame show, an hour and 13 minutes away from the first pitch. I, I don't know how tonight's going to go. I mean, really, it, it does go one of two ways, right? It goes, he goes six shutout innings or he goes two and a third and he walks the ballpark. Either way, you know, I'm still going to believe in the kid long-term. I, this is the excitement that we have been waiting for, right? We've seen guys make their debut. We were excited for Moncada when I first got here. Been excited for Devers. Been excited for Duran. I will be excited for Cassis. But this is the pitching prospect that we have been waiting for. right? We didn't get to see Kopech. The Red Sox traded him. Beyond that, they haven't had anybody like this. This is what we're waiting for. This is why High and Bloom has been building the farm system and why he's been diligent about keeping guys because we want them to matriculate to the big leagues. You want to be like the Dodgers. You want to be like the Astros. You need to hit on Brian Bayo, and you need to bring more of them through the pipeline. This is this is a great start towards what High and Bloom wants to become. What's not a great start is that Rafael Devers is out of the lineup again today. Sore hamstring and back, I'm hearing. That's less than ideal. Hopefully Devers is okay. This lineup cannot afford to be without Devers for too long, So, especially going into that Yankees series this weekend. We will give you the Red Sox lineups coming up after the CBS National News Update. and I got to issue a bit of a mea culpa from something that I said yesterday. I'll tell you what that is. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. I got to issue a mea culpa. I guess I got some bad intel on something, and I think it helps, though, lead us to kind of clear up some issues. So yesterday we were talking about how the Red Sox could clean up the roster, right? And I listed a bunch of different ways the Red Sox could keep Jaron Duran and Rob Snyder. I said one of the things they could do was option Christian Arroyo, and I discussed all the ways and all the reasons why that could work. Well, I was told initially by someone reputable that Christian Arroyo was optionable. I found out today, and I, look, I'll take the heat. I should have researched it despite the fact that that person told me this. Upon reading more, Christian Arroyo is out of minor league options. So he cannot be sent to the minors without being exposed to waivers, in which case you would lose him too. So things now to me become pretty clear for the Red Sox. If your goal, if everyone's healthy, and your goal is to keep Duran and Ref Snyder both on the roster, then the Red Sox have two choices. They can trade Kike Hernandez, or they can trade Christian Arroyo. You cannot send Arroyo to AAA. You can't send Ref Snyder to AAA. And we've already heard that Duran's not going anywhere. So if everyone's healthy and you have the roster logjam that we're anticipating, then High and Bloom is going to have to trade either Christian Arroyo or Kike Hernandez to make room. Outside chance, they could send Bobby Dahlbeck down too. I don't believe that that is the right move for a couple of different reasons. But I think that High and Bloom is left with those two choices, trade Arroyo or trade Kike. And frankly, I think he would choose to trade Kike. I, I don't know that. That's just my gut. High and Bloom is all about value. Christian Arroyo has a couple of years left on his contract. Kike Hernandez is a free agent at the end of the year. So if you're talking about flipping an expiring asset, 
then Kike is the guy. They've got a bunch of outfielders, right? They've got Verdugo. They've got JBJ. They've got Duran. They've got Franchi, who can play in the outfield. They've got Arroyo, who's played out there. So they got outfielders if they need them. Kike Hernandez is a guy who becomes expendable. So if your goal is to keep, and they got Ref Snyder. So if you got Ref Snyder and Duran on this roster, then it's pretty clear to me the only options are trading Arroyo or trading Kike. And I think trading Kike is more likely. He's an expiring contract. Maybe he can help a contender. He can run. He can play all over the field. He's very good defensively. He's got some pop. So he would have some value to another team. You just might be able to solve your roster problems in that manner. But Arroyo is not a guy you can send down. I apologize. I gave you bad info. I was given bad intel. I didn't follow up on it appropriately. That is my mistake. Well, we're 60 seconds away from the pregame show. The Rays are 44 and 37. The Sox are 45 and 36. Sox lose this one. They're all tied up in the standings. Corey Kluber, 3 and 5 with a 391. He's the Rays pitcher. Brian Bayo, that's right. He is. It's his major league debut for the Sox. Josh Lowe leads off in right for Tampa. Yandy Diaz, the DH. Wander Franco at short. G Man Choi at first. Randy Rosarena in left. Taylor Walls at third. Kevin Kiermeyer in center. Francisco Mejia, the catcher, and Vidal Brujan, he is at second. For the Sox, Jaron Duran in center, Christian Vasquez catching and hitting second today. J.D. Martinez, the DH. Sandra Bogarts at short. Alex Verdugo in left, Trevor Story at second. Franchi Cordero at first, Christian Arroyo at third, and Jackie Bradley Jr. in right. Once again, no Rafael Devers. He is out today with what I am hearing is a sore hamstring and sore back. Happy Bayo Day. Most heralded Sox prospect since I've been in New England. We'll recap it tomorrow. Go Sox.